It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll get to those stories in a moment, but we start with some breaking news. Child killer Alan Schoenborn has been granted escorted leave. Schoenborn was found not criminally responsible for killing his three children in their home in Merritt nine years ago. He has been living in a psychiatric hospital in Coquitlam since the ruling in 2010. Late this afternoon, the B.C. Review Board granted him escorted leaves into the community. In a statement, the children's mother, Darcy Clark, says the decision is horrible news. She says, I live in the Tri-Cities and I will now live in, co in consistent fear that he will move ahead with his threats against me. Because as he has said, I am unfinished business. She also says for the politicians and members of the B.C. Review Board who allowed this decision to happen, let me ask you, would you want a triple child killer to spend time with you or your family in your community? If you answered yes, you are lying. If you answered no, then what are you doing to fix our broken legal and mental health systems? Well, a splashy mental health care announcement today from the NDP government with Premier John Horgan pledging to establish a new mental health and addiction center on the old Riverview Hospital site in Coquitlam. But as Jill Bennett reports tonight, critics are quick to point out today's announcement isn't much more than was promised by the Liberals. There is going to be a lot more of this on the Riverview grounds as construction gets underway to build a new $101 million state-of-the-art mental health and addiction center. This is an opportunity for us to put down a marker to the community that the Riverview lands and Coquitlam welcome those who need help. They welcome those who are suffering from addictions. They welcome those with mental health challenges. With cameras clicking, a symbolic groundbreaking to celebrate the new centre. But it turns out there aren't very many new details in the plan. In December 2015, the then Liberal government announced the same thing, a state-of-the-art mental health care centre to open right here in 2019. The, uh Previous governments started this ball rolling. We're going to keep it rolling and, and deliver the services that people deserve and expect. But at the time of the Liberal announcement, the NTP critic was quick to slam the project, saying because it was replacing the Burnaby Centre for Mental Health and Addiction, the net gain would be just 17 beds. When you've added 17 beds to the system, you've not really moved the um, arrow very far. I mean, I just think it's appalling. The new centre will have 105 beds and will also replace the Burnaby facility, but the number of new beds has actually decreased. The net new number of beds will be 11. This, these plans have been in the works for some time. Even though it's a re-announcement that won't immediately address BC's addiction crisis, putting politics aside, those in the mental health system say it's good news. The fact that we're getting a new building, um, more beds, as well as uh, lessen the stigma upon upon the entire issue is, is something that's needed. Jill Bennett, Global News. 
Need to give you a warning right off the top tonight about our next story. It includes video that will be disturbing for some people, even though we've done our best to limit the graphic nature of some of the images. The video was sent to us by a global viewer and is believed to have been recorded on Vancouver Island. It shows the shooting of a young deer and the mistreatment of the mortally wounded but still living animal. Aaron MacArthur reports. The video is hard to watch. A deer shot in what looks like a residential neighborhood somewhere on Vancouver Island. The men involved in the shooting high-fiving and laughing about their kill. The hunter who sent Global News this video is outraged and wants the authorities to investigate. We've agreed to hide his identity. He's concerned about repercussions. And for them to be laughing about it and high-fiving about it, it's not like they're celebrating they just harvested a deer. They're celebrating the actions that they did to do that. It's kind of twisted in my eyes. The Conservation Officer Service and the RCMP have both seen this video. There is enough evidence to launch an investigation. Provincially, Wildlife Act um, and its regulations may apply or there may be other um, issues uh, contrary to the criminal code. The video gets worse. The men drag the deer to the yard and then bleed the animal by slashing its throat. The posts are going to great lengths to make sure it was all recorded. Somebody called Global News threatening legal action if this video was made public. He wouldn't admit to shooting the animal or taking the video, but defended the actions of the people who were there. There's nothing wrong about the way that deer was harvested in that video. I mean, I don't know how else you think you're going to supposed to kill a deer. You have to kill it. You have to take its life for meat for somebody else. There's no nice way to do it. I mean, you're not dragging it around behind a pickup truck. You're not... Like I say, you're not chasing it around the freaking neighborhood. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else you want me to say about that. It certainly represents uh, something that really is, isn't any part of hunting. Dylan Ayers runs a company called Eat Wild. He teaches people to hunt and ethically source wild meat. He's disgusted by what he saw on tape. To see individuals basically, you know, throwing caution out and uh, being unsafe with their firearms and not taking, uh, not even trying to aim at an animal to try and kill it effectively or efficiently it's just it's just it's just very sad global news has been told the deer was butchered and then used for meat for some hard to justify the ends matching the means aaron MacArthur, global news a big money announcement today by the federal government targeting guns and gangs federal public safety minister ralph goodell in surrey today which has been plagued by gang violence Ottawa is pledging more than $300 million over five years. But that money is for the entire country. So let's bring in our Keith Baldry in Victoria tonight. And Keith, any idea how much of that money will be coming to B.C.? Uh, officials are still crunching the numbers, but generally BC gets about 13% of a global federal money pie because that's basically represents our uh, share of the population. Uh, the expectation and hope, though, uh, in the BC government is that we're actually going to get more money th than that. So 13% works out to about $40 million over those, uh, over those five years. But because BC, particularly Metro Vancouver, has a high rate of crime associated with gangs and guns, the hope and expectation is we are going to get more than that. So that would be uh, probably in anticipation of more than $8 million a year, a not ins insignificant sum. Rolf Goodale, as you mentioned, in Surrey, which is another clue to this, that the fact the announcement took place in Surrey may mean more money is coming BC's way than normally would be the case, offering his remarks. And Public uh, Safety Minister Mike Farnworth clearly pleased with what he's hearing from his Ottawa counterparts.
part of our decision making in the distribution of the dollars will be to focus on where we believe we can have the greatest impact. Uh, and communities like Surrey, which uh, uh, have historically uh, had a, a very significant challenge in this regard, uh, would be very clearly uh, a priority for the Government of Canada. I'm looking forward to sitting down uh, with the federal government on how the money will be allocated to ensure that uh, British Columbia gets, you know, the, the, the resources that we need. I mean, we clearly are a, a priority when it comes to this issue. Uh, so I, I think it's uh, good news for BC. So it's not clear exactly when that money is going to start flowing. Uh, Goodale says there will be a summit of sorts uh, with his provincial counterparts sometime in the spring as they sort of figure out how to divvy up the pie. Uh, but the good news is it's probably the biggest injection of federal money fighting organized crime and fighting guns than we've seen for some time. We'll see if it makes a difference. All right. Thank you, Keith. This weekend will be an emotional one for the community of Abbotsford. On Sunday, the city holds a public celebration of life for Constable John Davidson. Jennifer Palma is live at Abbotsford Police Headquarters tonight. And uh, Jennifer, they're expecting thousands of people to attend. They definitely are. Up to 12,000 people will be taking part in the service, expressing how they feel about Constable Davidson. And take a look at this memorial that's growing right outside of the Abbotsford Police Department. Dozens of floral bouquets, and it's all in preparation for Sunday. The memory of Constable John Davidson continues to be honoured. In front of the Abbotsford Police Department, candles are placed by two friends who had the opportunity to get to know him and his kindness, as he volunteered his time with Cops for Cancer Tour de Valley. He was incredible. Funny sense of humour, full of love, joy. Davidson was fatally shot in the line of duty November 6th in Abbotsford. There, too, the memorial for him grows. Since his death, the community has been in mourning, on Monday, a vigil was held. His colleagues say the public's outpouring has brought some comfort. The community recognizes the, the loss and what his sacrifice was, and they are very appreciative. To honor him, a celebration of life is being held this Sunday at the Abbotsford Centre at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. But first, a procession of uniformed law enforcement emergency service personnel will take place at 11.30 in the morning, starting at 2369 McCallum Road. It'll make its way south down to the Abbotsford Centre. Six to 8,000 first responders are expected to take part. They're coming from across North America and even from the United Kingdom where he served. In all, up to 12,000 people may attend. To accommodate the crowd, there will be overflow seating areas at the University of the Fraser Valley Envision Athletic Centre and Central Heights Church. There will also be plenty of parking available. We have security plans in place, road closures, getting ourselves emotionally and mentally ready for this day. we are lost our brother and this is really tough. Another way to honor Constable Davidson is stringing up some blue lights around your home or business. The Police and Peace Officers Memorial Ribbon Society says several Vancouver landmarks will be doing this. We've talked to BC-1, which is the helicopter, and uh, they've agreed to fly over that particular night and get a photograph because we'd love to have it for the family. Another way that they're honoring the constable is by wearing these little black and blue ribbons. Thousands have been sold and all of the money that you would donate towards them, be that $5, whatever you think is appropriate, goes towards scholarships for children of those who have fallen in the line of duty, as well as memorials and other initiatives. Back to you. All right, Jennifer, thanks very much. And 
Global News will broadcast the full regimental funeral for Constable John Davidson this Sunday from Abbotsford Center. Thank you. The procession Thank starts you. at 11.30 a.m. with the celebration of life starting at 1. There are two overflow locations because the center is expected to be completely full of first responders and others in uniform. So go to the campus of the University of the Fraser Valley or the Central Heights Church on McCallum Road if you want a seat to be able to view it. Now, the controversy over the provincial government's refusal to cover an expensive drug for a rare disease may have taken a heartbreaking turn. As a young B.C. woman continues to suffer in hospital, news that a newborn baby could also be stricken by the same affliction and one day need the same drug. John Waugh reports. Barely one month old and baby Harbour Reimer is battling for his life. It's a blood syndrome that can be life-threatening. It also impacts kidneys and the heart and other parts of his body. Doctors at BC Children's Hospital suspect it could be a rare autoimmune disease called AHUS. kind of takes your breath away when you think of what, what you could be looking at for his life. The diagnosis is scary enough. Add the fact that while he's likely too young now, the drug Solaris he may need down the road costs $750,000 a year and is not covered in British Columbia. It feels frustrating that it does cost as much as it does, and yeah. I think it's hard that other provinces have access and we don't. She's flat out getting worse. It's a reality that has left Shante Anaqua needing painkillers around the clock as her condition continues to deteriorate. It's hard to watch. It's hard to be in there every day and um, even know what to say because I can't say, hey, it's, it's going to be okay. The disease has left the once vibrant 23-year-old UBC student stuck in a hospital bed, eating regular plasma exchanges and kidney dialysis. The BC government reviewing its decision to not fund the drug for any AHUS cases. I know that uh, Minister Dix is working with the family, uh, trying to find a way to move forward. But Shantae's mother says she hasn't heard from the health minister or any of his staff since forcing a meeting on Tuesday. Every day that they're taking is taking away a little bit of, of my daughter's life. Back at BC Children's, Baby Harbor's parents say the choice between the province they call home and their son's health is an easy one. If it came down to our child's health and ability to live and our location, then we would choose our child. Right. Shantae Anaquad fighting with what little energy she has left, believing it's a choice no British Columbian should have to make. John Hua, Global News. A powerful tool to fight wildfires that never made it to the front lines. The fire buzz helped save lives and structures when fire tore through Fort McMurray. Its B.C. creators wonder why it wasn't used during our epic wildfire season in just over a minute. A trailer full of trouble. Look closer at this photo and you'll see why police are talking about it tonight. That's coming up. And after being named the sexiest man alive, well, Blake Shelton finds out that Blake not Shelton everyone is a fan. He reads some mean tweets later on the news hour. Right now, though, in Surrey, a large home near Bear Creek Park was destroyed by fire. The fire department says a family of six was woken up by a loud bang, and then they noticed a shed beside their home on fire. The smoke and flames spread to the house. The family was able to make it out safely. Firefighters fought the fire for about an hour before they knocked it down. No word yet on what started it, but it is not considered suspicious. 
A B.C. innovation promises to make a big difference when it comes to fighting fires. It's called the Fire Boss. It's a portable sprinkler system that packs a big punch. It's able to soak large areas in a short amount of time. As Nitu Garcha reports, the creators are hoping that the Fire Boss will be in the hands of firefighters ahead of next year's wildfire season. And they're asking why it hasn't been used before. Four legs come down, five minutes to set the sprinkler up. It's a simple, rapidly deployable device called Fireboss on display in Saanich for Vancouver Island Fire Departments and the Office of the Fire Commissioner. We've attached hose to them and then we've run them to show the area of coverage and uh, how, how quickly they set up and take down. The water cannon, based on a modified agricultural sprinkler, sprays high volumes of water to create a fire guard. And once it's deployed, you can walk away. You can take those resources, that personnel that would otherwise be utilized to protect that, let's say a sawmill or something like that, and utilize them for initial attack or take them to another, another location to fight the fire. This invention straight out of Nanaimo, but it's been used across the country. Saskatchewan and Manitoba governments have purchased the fire boss, and it was used to save homes in Alberta during the Fort McMurray wildfires. When I've seen the Fort Mac, they worked awesome. The amount of water that these things deploy down, the fire doesn't have a chance, really. I've purchased quite a few of these from my home department because they work so well. A dozen fire departments in B.C., including Ladysmith, have this tool in their arsenal. But this summer, homes, businesses, fencing and farms burned in B.C. and entire livelihoods were lost. As the province recovers from its worst wildfire season on record, Rod Saz wonders why his product wasn't used by the province. In a statement, the Office of the Fire Commissioner didn't really answer the question of why this product hasn't yet been used, only to say it has to be selective about the type and quantity of equipment each unit carries. Looking at new technology and rapid adoption of technology is really crucial. Saz hopes seeing the effectiveness of this tool in other provinces helps BC douse the doubt. Nitu Garcha, Global News, Saanich. And now a consequence of all those wildfires, it seems some songbirds have lost their way. Wildlife Rescue Association in Burnaby is seeing twice as many distressed birds this fall than in previous years, some that are rarely ever seen in the Lower Mainland. And as Linda Aylesworth reports, they believe the record-breaking wildfire season is to blame. Now here's something you don't see every day on the lower mainland. So it's a white-winged crossbill, a migratory bird that's usually found in the interior this time of year. And yet, he's at the Wildlife Rescue Association in Burnaby, recovering after flying into a window. The first white-winged crossbill they've seen here in 10 years. What brings him so far south? One of the things we could think of is the wildfires uh, that happened over the summer in the interior. Um, we're thinking maybe migratory birds are changing their course and finding a better place to, to go. Birds, plural, because they're dealing with twice as many injured songbirds this fall than usual. Instead of 200, they're up to 424, most of them victims of window strikes, the number one cause of bird injuries at this time of year. My own theory is uh, I have trouble driving in my car when the sun sets and the glare. Uh, so I assume it's kind of the same for birds. You can help reduce the risk of strikes by putting decals on your windows. You can also reduce the second greatest cause of injury by not letting your cat run at large. Even though you think your kitty is really sweet, uh, they're still hunters and they will, they will kill birds. 
put it all together, wildfires, windows, cats, and you have a not-for-profit organization in need of help. This one hit a window and we're not quite sure what happened to the, the feathers on the wing. It's putting a lot of pressure on our resources right now, uh, both staff and volunteers, and of course, all the supplies we need to treat these birds medically. Check out their website, wildliferescue.ca, if you'd like to help. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Another electrifying launch from Elon Musk. Tesla disrupts the trucking industry with a trailer full of surprises. And snow tire insanity, why you're already in trouble if you haven't made the change. At first glance, it looks like any other trailer full of stuff. But global viewer Martin Warbeck looked closer and noticed this in Surrey and decided to snap a picture. A missing wheel ingeniously replaced with a dolly. Effective, but very dangerous. Not surprisingly, police say this is a bad idea. This is Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, when this picture was first described to me, I was certain it was something from a third world country. I had no idea I'd see this in Surrey. Some of the tickets uh, we'd consider here certainly would be driving with undue care and attention. It's around a $370 ticket. Uh, insecure load is something I can see. Um, but I think mostly we would definitely get this trailer off the road right away. Hmm. Well, it appears last year's brutal winter may have scared people into action. Many lower mainland tire shops are already selling out of winter tires. It is crazy. We have uh, seen one of the busiest years in a long, long time, that's for sure. A new survey from the Tire and Rubber Association of Canada says 6 in 10 British Columbians now get winter tires. That's up 22%. And local tire shops say people are coming in earlier than usual. Right since you know mid-September, we've been putting snow tires on and it hasn't stopped. And each day we are doing our best to accommodate as many as we can. It's, it's the busiest, busiest scene in 30 years of people buying winter tires. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Winter tires kick in when temperatures dip below 7 degrees, offering better traction and braking capabilities. Well, Tesla CEO Elon Musk has turned the auto industry upside down once again, unveiling not one, but two flashy new vehicles. The first, an electric semi-truck, Musk says will be on the road in two years. But critics are quick to point out Musk still needs to overcome the challenges he's already facing with another Tesla model. With the pomp and circumstance of a big tech unveiling, Elon Musk showed off Tesla's new electric semi-truck. So it's unlike any truck that you've ever driven. The CEO says the Semi has a 500-mile range on a single charge and contains many of Tesla's signature features, including the autopilot system. To meet demand, Tesla says it's building a network of solar-powered mega-charging stations, which need to be ready when the truck becomes available in 2019. But the announcement comes as Tesla faces major challenges. It lost a record $619 million last quarter and has struggled with production. You will not be able to buy a better car for $35,000. It is significantly behind on orders for its low-cost sedan, the Model 3, with some customers waiting 18 months or longer for delivery. CNET's Tim Stevens attended last night's event and says production is one of the issues Tesla needs to address. They're really struggling to get those out the door and to meet all the pre-orders that they have right now. They need to get those out and they need to get that revenue flowing to pay for products like the Tesla Semi. 
Stevens also says the automaker needs to shake the reputation that some of its vehicles aren't always reliable. When you're talking about a commercial truck that businesses will depend upon, you need those things to be absolutely bulletproof. So Tesla is going to have to absolutely prove to the industry that their trucks will be even more reliable than the trucks that are already in the market today. Well, the launch last night included a complete surprise rolling out the back of one of the new semi-trailers, the previously unannounced second-generation Tesla Roadster. Musk says the new four-seater will go from zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds. Production of this one not slated to start until 2020 at a cost of $200,000 U.S. Looks pretty cool, though. It does. The U.S. president weighs in on the Al Franken allegations, Donald Trump's latest tweet, and why critics call it a double standard. Plus, students in Port Moody break a sweat to make a difference for kids half a world away. U.S. President Trump taking to Twitter once again, this time to slam Democratic Senator Al Franken after he admitted to past sexual misconduct. But the president remained silent about Republican Senate candidate Roy Moore, who's facing his own string of allegations. Today, Capitol Hill rocked by allegations of sexual harassment and misconduct against Senator Al Franken, a Democrat, and Republican Senate candidate Roy Moore. Moore accused by at least nine women of inappropriately touching, kissing, or pursuing them, some while they were in their teens. In Alabama, women coming to Moore's defense, calling it an attack by liberal outsiders. I have found his character to be only one thing, and that is godly. Kayla Moore echoing her husband's defiance. He will not step down. And Alabama's governor saying Moore still has her support. That's what I plan to do is vote for uh, the Republican nominee, Roy Moore. But where Moore is publicly denying everything, Senator Al Franken apologetic and laying low after radio host Leanne Tweeden said he kissed and groped her without consent in 2006 before he was a lawmaker. He just mashed his, his lips against my face. Tweeden releasing this picture, Franken touching her as she slept. The senator now agreeing to cooperate with an ethics investigation, writing, I don't know what was in my head when I took that picture, and it doesn't matter. There's no excuse. Should Roy Moore resign? President Trump, who has avoided questions about Moore, tweeting about Franken. The Al Frankenstein picture is really bad and asking where do his hands go in other pictures. Some local teenagers are working together to make a difference halfway around the world and they had to break a little sweat to do it. Port Moody's Heritage Woods Secondary School participating in the Move for Mana Challenge. For every 500 calories they burned, one life-saving food packet called manna is sent to Africa. These calorie-rich packs that taste similar to peanut butter can be critical for malnourished children. Over a thousand students participated in the program and over a month they were able to make a big difference. They counted all the calories we burned and I think we burned over 8 million calories. And we saved 105 lives in total, 106 lives. So we really want this to initiative to take on throughout our province. And hopefully our dream one day is that this will spread across our country. In partnership with Langley-based Food for Famine Society and World Vision Canada, the packs will be distributed to families in war-torn Somalia.
Up next, Blake Shelton's burden now that he's been named sexiest man alive. Poor guy. <laughs> Country music star Blake Shelton was just named Sexiest Man Alive by People magazine. But not everyone agrees. We'll tell you more right after the forecast. Reading mean tweets. It's, <laughs> it's priceless. Uh, great forecast for today, but let's mm -hmm. see what's coming up on the weekend. Here's Christy. That's the problem. It's a uh, past cast is the good one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Before I move on, thanks so much. You two participation is helping Canada celebrate 150 years by presenting 150 ways to stay fit. Today's suggestion for you is cross country skiing. And yes, there's many areas to the north that have the potential of doing just that. We have snowfall warnings in place for the north coast inland sections up to 30 centimeters of snow. Bulk of that overnight tonight and through the morning hours tomorrow and then further east up to 40 centimeters. That is basically east of Prince. George into the McGregor area and northeast of there along Highway 97 Pine Pass area. But the majority of that will be late Saturday through your Sunday and then also 100 millimeters of rain for the Bella Coola, Bella Bella area. So significant moisture on the way is because of this. It's southwest flow targeting those areas and this is going to slide to the south. So yes, everyone, that is our weekend that we're looking forward to, aren't we? Uh, but initially on Saturday, we're not going to see as much rain. It's going to slide slowly down. So Saturday looks to be the drier of the two, but we will still see light rain on and off. But late Saturday, prepare to get wet, and that continues Sunday morning until about noon hour. Backing up and looking at your Saturday, the areas that will be hardest hit will be northern Vancouver Island, uh, especially those western sections. Eastern sections, not too much at all. Metro Vancouver, maybe 20 millimeters of rain. North Shore Mountains and up to Squamish, though, getting hit hard, up to 30 millimeters millimeters of rain. But again, the heaviest band still north of us, that's going to slide down towards our region Saturday night, Sunday morning. Okay, so the northern region, significant snow, terrace over towards Smithers, east of Prince George, northeast of Prince George, very wet across the central coast. Further south, we're talking about just showers or flurries. Temperatures overnight are dropping down to about freezing marks, so that's why we'll see the flurries overnight or through the early morning period. And for the south coast, we'll see rain on and off. The bulk of the rainfall north of Nanaimo and north of Vancouver. But we'll start to see it heavier across our region Saturday night, Sunday morning. And we'll see wind along with that. It looks drier on Monday, though. And a flashback for our weather window to Wednesday when Burns Lake and areas in Prince George got hit close to a, basically a foot of snow, as you can see there. Yeah. Tough times up there with uh, winter wonderland. Nasty. I guess it's the season almost. It is. Well, l listen, Luke, uh, Luke Bryan once sang a song called, and I'm going to check it right here, Rain <laughs> is a Good Thing. But another country superstar, Blake Shelton, is having a little fun with his new title. That wins the best segue of the year, by the way. <laughs> it was announced earlier this week that Shelton was people's pick for the 2017 Sexiest Man Alive. Well, Shelton doesn't seem to be letting the honor go to his head, posting a video on social media, reading some of his favorite mean, t mean tweets. Woke up this morning to news that Blake Shelton is the sexiest man alive. R.I.P. every sexy man in the world who died in the great sexy plague of 2017 overnight. You will be missed. Here's my favorite from Jonas. We may be living in a time of division and strife, but at least People Magazine has united us in our certainty that Blake Shelton is not the sexiest man alive. 
I don't think we're united at all. Blake, you've got my support. <laughs> Shelton takes the honor from last year's pick, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I love that name. That's pretty funny. I might pick The Rock, but... Yeah. Well, Blake's... You can, can you go? You can't go back-to-back -back yeah. years? You can't. And you can't really go wrong with either. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> That's right. Yep. <laughs> Second runner-up, Squire Barnes. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Hey, um, so for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason the Canucks have been better on the road than at home. Yeah, no, it, it's not good enough. It's, I'm sick and tired of losing. What happened in a 5-2 loss to Vegas last night? Also ahead tonight, it's Friday, and that means satellite debris. The officer who gave his life is a hero. Gathering to honor and pay last respects to police officer constable John Davidson. Special coverage on Global News and CKNW begins Sunday morning at 1130. All right, Squires here with sports. Yes. Uh, things didn't go so great for the Canucks no, last night. Not so good. Well, sometimes you come back from a road trip and you're a little bit bagged. Mm -hmm. That was the case. Uh, although the road trip really was pretty much on the West Coast, so not really a time change thing. Uh, the 5-2 loss to the Vegas Golden Knights last night was a game where the Canucks were outworked. And you really haven't been able to say that too often this season. The Canucks have been working hard most of the time. But it was another game where they gave up an early goal, and you cannot keep doing that and expect to win consistently. The Canucks had their moments last night. Here's a turnover. Besser shoots. He scores! They came back from a bad start. But they couldn't close the deal because not everyone was on their game. And that's the thing about this hockey team. It truly takes a village for the Canucks to raise a W. You know, there's nights, I think when some teams play, they, you know, two, three, four guys can, can win a hockey game for some teams. And we've got to have a full team effort. We've talked about that as a group. I think they realize that. And... You know, tonight we didn't have that. The loss also continued a pattern where the Canucks seemed to struggle at home. Just one win in their last five at Rogers Arena. Yeah, no, it, it's not good enough. It's, I'm sick and tired of losing, first of all. And, I mean, it's tough to come, come from 2 nothing behind every, every game. It makes it, a, it makes it a lot tougher. So, you know, I'm the last poster. I'm the, I'm the goalie. So, you know, that's it's my job to keep the pucks out of the net. And it's, it's very frustrating. Russell Wilson said the hit he took from Carlos Dansby last Thursday in a game against the Cardinals nearly broke his jaw. Doctors say he was this close to having it wired shut for recovery. As it was, it hurt so much he really couldn't open it very wide after the hit and he couldn't eat properly for a few days. The first two days, really the first two and a half, three days, um, I couldn't really eat anything. I was just, um, just doing uh, smoothies and all that kind of stuff. Was it hard? You said it was hard to talk to yeah, it was very hard to talk. Yeah, it, it hurt pretty good. Have you ever had anything like that before or taken a hit like that before? Uh, not, not to my jaw, no. I'm, I'm taking a couple of hits, you know. And, uh, but, you know, just it just kind of, like I said, it re kind of reset my jaw. I had to reset it again and good to go. We're starting to see more and more MMA fighters come out of Canada, not just George St. Pierre, although he is certainly the number one guy who has come out of Canada. We are now also starting to see a lot of young athletes have goals of one day competing like GSP in the octagon. 
Colton Osborne has big dreams to one day be a champion in the sport of mixed martial arts, better known as MMA. But there is a slight roadblock on the path to glory. Colton has to do his amateur MMA fights in the U.S. because MMA shows for kids are banned in B.C. It's for safety reasons, which Colton and his coach fully understand. All the students here, this is not about violence. This is about learning a sport, learning a martial art. So in terms of learning the martial art, yes, it would be important to add the head contact and this and that. But now we go back to the society and say, okay, this is violent. So as a society, yes, I understand where they're coming from. But Colton can box in B.C., and that gives him much-needed ring experience, and as brutal as it sounds, he needs to get hit, something that does take a little getting used to. Well, like, my very first fight in, like, my first tournament, I was like, wow, that hurts. <laughs> but uh, not as much anymore. Combat sports for kids can certainly be polarizing. On one hand, the intense training keeps them busy and focused. On the other hand, it can be dangerous. But Colton insists his parents are on board. They like that I'm like dedicated to like the sport and stuff. It's yeah, it's just like about the getting hit part. But they don't really mind too much. Colton's dedication is off the charts. He spends every free moment possible at the gym working tirelessly, which for a 13-year-old kid is pretty impressive. There was one day we actually made fun of it. We call it a marathon day because he did seven training sessions in one day. Like the kid, he trains as hard as he can. Colton recently had a chance to rub elbows with UFC president Dana White, and that has him even more determined to one day live his ultimate fighting dream. And one thing I always tell him to do is I tell him when you wake up first thing in the morning is I want you to tell yourself I'm going to be a UFC champion. Very delay global sports. All right, New Westminster, Mount Doug, quarterfinals, BC High School football, New West ranked number one, and this is Sammy Sadu, and he's going all the way for the TD. Hayax win a good one, 19-14. They go to the semifinals, the three other quarterfinals we played tomorrow. BC plays starting at 2.30. There you go. Long stride on that young athlete. That's a good team this year. Thanks, Squire. Thank you, Squire. Breaking details about a disturbing assault in Vancouver. Ann Drua joins us with more, Ann. Thanks, Sophie. Yes, Vancouver police warning the public tonight after a young woman was sexually assaulted earlier this week. It happened on Wednesday evening in East Vancouver after the victim was getting off the Nanaimo Skytrain station. Minutes later, near St. Lawrence Street, she was grabbed from behind and groped before the masked suspect ran off. Police also believe this attack may be related to another incident back in October where a woman was assaulted after exiting a bus near Victoria Drive and East 64th Avenue. We'll have more on that. Plus, more reaction over the BC Review Board granting child killer Alan Schoenborg escorted leave into the community. That's tonight at 11. All right, thanks, Anne. And when we come back, Squire Barnes has satellite debris. But first, here's Kasia Badurka with another five things you can do around BC. Thanks. Let me first take you to the 22nd annual Fraser Valley Bald Eagle Festival. Celebrate the majestic creatures in their own natural environment with guided walking tours, displays, expert speakers, and more. It goes on all weekend. Other celebrated Canadians, the Bare Naked Ladies, they're visiting Vancouver with their fake nudes tour. They take the stage at the Commodore Ballroom tonight and Saturday. The West Coast Christmas show is on at Trade X in Abbotsford. Santa has his own workshop here among hundreds 
of exhibits, live entertainment, and kids get to decorate fresh cookies. Now it's a big weekend for Santa himself as he arrives at many shopping malls across the world. Some welcome him and his elves with live shows and spectacles. So check out your local bulletins if you want to join in on the fun. But leave some time open because you're invited to Christmas at Highcroft, a 40-year Vancouver tradition where all three floors of the Edwardian mansion are decked out to inspire. And in the courtyard, a Christmas fair with treats, entertainment, and local artisans. For more on these events, go to globalnews.ca slash five things. This program is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners, plus get the best roadside assistance. Coming up on ET Canada, which sports star had a Beauty and the Beast-themed wedding? And can you handle the heat? We're in Hawaii with the cast of Hawaii Five-O. Plus, Matt Smith and Vanessa Kirby set us up for Season 2 of The Crown. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. Thank you, Sangita. Okay, so this, um, yes, this Sunday, um, Nathan Peterman will be the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Why am I telling you this? Uh, one thing, I'm a sports guy. But the other reason is, when he was at the University of Pittsburgh, he became very popular for doing trick shots with football. So here he is in his college days. What's up, guys? It's Nate Peterman. Missed the tower shot. Hangdog shot. It's a fountain shot. That might be it. That water looked a little dirty. I'm not so yeah, I was kidding. Okay, so over here, we all get excited about Super Bowl commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, in England, they get excited about Christmas commercials, and all the companies bring them out early so you get more bang for your buck and you get people excited about Christmas. So we're going to show you two. The first one is from a company called Argus. <laughs> have high-tech gear now. I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, here's another one. Earworm alert. Oh. I know. Here we go Sainsbury's. again. Here we go. Decorations in our cheap box. Another pair of novelty socks. Last mince pie. I'm taking that. Big hands written through paper. Somehow this 